0: Hello everyone, welcome to this podcast. I'm David Kidman, a product liability and regulatory partner in our London office. In this episode, I'll be talking about the proposed new product liability directive and its relevance to the healthcare and life sciences sector. That directive seeks to revive the consumer friendly approach that was intended with the first product liability directive in the 1980s. It's clear that the proposed new directive would have a major effect on product liability claims in the healthcare and life sciences sector, making it easier for claimants to bring claims, gain disclosure of documents, and succeed. I'll break this podcast down into four topics. Firstly, I'll set the scene on when the proposed directive was published and the geographical scope of it. Secondly, I'll explain the core intentions of it. Thirdly, I'll outline some of the key proposed changes that are most relevant to the healthcare and life sciences sector. And lastly, I will forecast what will happen next. So, on to the first topic, which is setting the scene. On the 28th of September 2022, the European Commission published the full wording of the proposed directive. It very much fixes the healthcare and life sciences sector in its sights. Highlighting, for example, historic difficulties for claimants in bringing claims involving pharmaceuticals and medical devices. Indeed, in the impact assessment report that accompanied the draft directive, the word pharmaceutical appears 79 times. And although it won't apply directly to the UK post-Brexit, it is relevant to all businesses selling into the EU, whether they're based in the EU, the UK, the US, China or anywhere else in the world. Now on to the second topic. What are the core intentions of the proposed directive? Here are three core points to bear in mind. Firstly, it's worth remembering that the product liability regime seeks to apportion the risk of harm fairly between consumers and producers. If a consumer suffers injury or damage to their property, the question of who bears responsibility for that needs to take into account the need to innovate, and balance the risk of harm against the benefits of new products, from vaccines to electric bikes to AI. However, in the proposed directive, the European Commission seeks to place the risk more greatly on producers. This is evidenced by the Impact Assessment Report, which estimates more claims which are more likely to be successful, with a greater number of damages awards and an increase in demand for product liability insurance. Secondly, the European Commission has analysed the last three decades of case law and legal principles in this area, noting a range of losses by claimants in product liability cases. And consumer organisations and claimant groups have been very proactive during consultation stages, so unsurprisingly we see consumer-friendly proposals manifesting in the draft. For example, the European Court of Justice's 2015 finding in Boston Scientific is sought to be enshrined in the proposed directive. That matter involved implantable medical devices. And on this, the present draft's recital 22 says, in quotes, some products such as life-sustaining medical devices entail an especially high risk of damage to people and therefore give rise to particularly high safety expectations. In order to take such expectations into account, It should be possible for a court to find a product defective without establishing its actual defectiveness, where it belongs to the same production series as a product already proven to be defective. A third core area of focus for the proposed directive is a recognition of the interconnectivity of components and devices and their reliance on digital services. The proposed directive intends to capture a wider range of producers and suppliers. An example that's given of a related service that would fall within the scope of the new directive is a health monitoring service that relies on sensors of a physical product to track the user's physical activity or health metrics. The proposed directive envisages that if the digital service is defective, both the manufacturer of the physical product and the provider of the digital service could both be held liable we now get to the third of four topics in this podcast what are the key proposed changes for this podcast i'll highlight four however a more detailed paper setting out 13 key changes is available on the simmons and simmons website so firstly Widening products beyond tangible items to intangible items, as well as related services, hugely expands the scope of the product liability regime. To date, the regime has only applied to tangible products. The important takeaway is that it would mean a strict liability regime imposed on producers of software, AI, 3D printer designs and similar items, as well as interconnected services. A second key change is that the regime is proposed to be expanded to impose strict liability not just for injury, death or damage to property, but also to loss or corruption of data. Given the heavy reliance in the healthcare and life sciences sector on data, with information constantly collected, and greater awareness by consumers of the importance of their data in this area, this is a significant change. It's unclear how much data potential defendants will be expected to keep or make intelligible to consumers before it is treated as lost or corrupted. It's also unclear how the concept of loss of data squares with the central concept of product safety. For a claim to succeed under the product liability regime, the product has to be established as defective, meaning not as safe as persons generally are entitled to expect. Now that's easy to conceptualise in injury claims, but I'd say it's not so easy in relation to data. If a consumer's data is compromised, will the courts start referring to products that cause that loss or corruption as unsafe? If so, it will strongly highlight the importance of data to consumers in the modern age. A third key change is an early disclosure mechanism has been proposed solely in favour of claimants where a, in quotes, plausible claim is established. This is intended to reduce the disadvantage a claimant has in understanding the product compared to the producer. Now, this proposal would mean a one-sided disclosure mechanism operating in favour of claimants at an early stage. I can foresee that it would be used tactically by claimants to make defendants incur significant time and cost searching for and disclosing a broad range of documents, many of which may be highly sensitive and confidential. In addition, the threshold of establishing a so-called plausible claim is not defined, but it's foreseeable in my view that it would be treated as a fairly low threshold. And the last key change that I'm going to cover in this podcast is that presumptions of defect and causation are proposed in favour of claimants. Including where there's a failure to comply with the disclosure obligation I've just mentioned. But another way in which defect could be presumed, as well as causation, i.e., a causal link between the defect and the harm, is where the claimant faces, in quotes, excessive difficulties due to technical or scientific complexity, close quotes. Pharmaceuticals and innovative medical devices are expressly referred to as giving rise to complex cases. So the presumption of defect mechanism is clearly and squarely aimed at the healthcare and life sciences sector, as well as against producers of AI products. It could be a very difficult balancing act for a defendant to show that a claimant does not face excessive difficulty due to technical or scientific complexity, while at the same time mounting a robust defense. Defendants with strong defences might, ironically, be more prone to having to deal with and rebut presumptions of defect. So, on to the last topic in this podcast. Where next? In the EU, there have been recent tweaks to the proposed directive in March, April and June 2023, with at least five compromise drafts so far. So it's right to recognise that some changes are likely. As of the date of this podcast in mid-July 2023, a draft was most recently produced on the 14th of June 2023 by the European Council, which is intended as a mandate for negotiations with the European Parliament. There may be some further scope for lobbying and consultation, but this is an increasingly narrow window. The anticipation is that the final form of the proposed directive will be voted through by June 2024 before European Parliament elections take place. That would then lead to an estimated in-force date throughout the EU of late 2025 or possibly 2026. What about the UK? Reform of the Consumer Protection Act 1987, which is based on the 1985 Product Liability Directive, is not expressly on the Law Commission's agenda. Although it was earmarked as a possible topic for the 14th programme of law reform by the Law Commission, the timetable of this programme has been extended indefinitely, so it is uncertain whether it will appear on there, and if so, when. On the one hand, this is unfortunate for producers, as they will have uncertainty and two different regimes in due course in the EU and UK. But on the other hand, Due to UK case law over the last five years or so, including at Supreme Court level, being relatively defendant-friendly, with an erosion of strict liability principles in favour of defendants, and heavy evidential burdens for claimants to overcome in more complex cases, the UK is a pretty defendant-friendly regime. That brings me to the end of my podcast today. If you'd like to hear more from Simmons & Simmons in relation to liability issues affecting the healthcare and life sciences sector, please check out our other episodes in this series. These include topics such as clinical trials, the -the state-of-the-art defence, artificial intelligence, anxiety damage and class actions. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me and my colleagues at david.kidman at simmons-simmons.com or via the contact details on our website. Thank you for listening.